0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Precious Lord God Almighty, Hallelujah. right, let's just, let's go, um... Let's very quickly read from 19 right on through 23. When any one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh that wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and, and with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he no root in himself, but it for a while. When tribulation or persecution ariseth for the words, because of the word. By and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty turn to mark 4 underline first of all underline that the good ground in matthew 13:23 is he that hears the word and number one understands the word in mark 4 same parable verse 20 if you want to know what the good ground is just keep listening the good ground 4:20 And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. Matthew said hear the word and understand it. Mark said hear the word and receive it. Now go to Luke 8.15, same parable. Same principle, same parable. Luke 8.15 But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart notice he's talking about the heart having heard the word keep it or protect it in his heart keep it and bring it forth fruit with what? With Patience. All right. We've already established a lot of facts, and to go through everything would take the entire night. So I'm not going to go through everything that we've already established in the last nine lessons. But we've established this principle that I want you to catch a hold of. It is the word that's incorruptible, which is the seed, and the seed cannot fail to produce in your heart if your heart has been programmed. By getting rid of all the stones and the thorns and the thistles and getting all the garbage out of your heart of false doctrines, wrong teachings, etc., etc., getting your heart clean, cleaned out and then putting something into that heart to make it good. The Word can never fail. I would rather get everything I got from, from God by the Word rather than any spiritual gift. Through his word is the highest way of receiving from our Father God. And he said it's not the word that doesn't work, but it's the heart of the believer that has got to be established, that's got to be good and honest in order to produce the fruit, and yet it's got to come forth with patience. Now, we said that there are five ways, and if you go back to Mark 4 we can see it more clearly, five ways that Satan comes to remove the word from your heart. Well, you might as well face this fact right now. You're never going to escape those five ways as long as you're in this earth. I said you'll never be in a position that he can't come at you with those five ways. He's always coming at you with them five ways. Let's look at them first and I'll explain further. Verse 17. In the middle there. Afterward when affliction, number one, or persecution, number two, going down to 19, the cares of this world, number three, deceitfulness of riches, number four, lust of other things, number five. We went through them one at a time. We've explained them. We've talked about them. We could have gone more in depth, but... Like I said, we want to get through some of this. And then, uh, those, those are the five ways that Satan is coming. And we've got to face the fact that he's coming. If we understand and know that he's coming, then we can know how to defend ourselves against him. Now, he's always going to come at you in them five ways. There's, there, you might as well just face it. But we said that if the individual would do something about them five ways in his own life, he could begin to grow to a place in his own spiritual growth that he could have more of God inside him than all the forces of darkness that could come against him. And when, when Satan comes in any of these five steps, you have grown to a place of spiritual maturity that you can overcome him when he comes. Now, the first one we said was affliction. To overcome affliction, you need what? Anybody remember? We must endure with patience. The force of patience. No, you'll never get to a place in your life. Your heart has got to know this. You'll never get to a place in your life that affliction is not coming against you. But the devil's put it inside people's minds through false doctrines. Well, I'm just suffering for Jesus. Oh, I'm just afflicted and persecuted, and I'm just taking it like a man or taking it like a woman. Forget all that. You're not taking it. You're complaining about it. He said that when the affliction comes, if you endure it with patience, you'll be delivered from the affliction. But if the endurance and the patience, the fruit of patience, love, joy, peace, patience, the fruit of patience must be developed in your heart. A lot stronger than the, than the affliction that's coming against you. So the force of patience must be developed inside your spirit. And we said that tribulation worketh patience. When you fall into diverse temptations or tribulations, you've got to know that those tribulations worketh what? Patience. So rejoice and count it joy. He's it all joy. When you fall into these things, if not, if you don't know that the trying of your faith worketh patience, then when you fall into them, you know what you're going to be like? The children of Israel in the wilderness, you're going to be complaining about them, murmuring about it, chiding about it. I'm a Christian, why did this happen to me? Well, I just told you why. Because Satan's, Satan's coming at you five ways. So a good heart, a pure heart, has got to understand, know, and receive this fact. That the fruit of patience, if it's developed in your spirit, man, will come against all the affliction that the devil brings against you in any way. When your spirit has grown. Well, over there in the fourth chapter, let's, say, let's go on to verse 26. This was how... We're going to go back and forth now. We're going to get back and forth into showing you what is going to work and how we're going to get it to work. Patience will work against affliction. But the scripture says... So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. That's your heart. You've got to read over all the scriptures about where anybody endured persecution and saw how they acted. Saw it, go, look to the Word of God and see how everybody that endured affliction or persecution acted. They're closely related. Let's tie them both together. Okay? Let's take affliction and persecution, number one and two, and put them together. The two fruits of the Spirit that come against affliction and persecution are patience and joy. You find right on through the book of Acts. You you see over there, you see um, Paul and Silas. You see John and, and Peter. When they were afflicted and persecuted, instead of complaining and crying, they lifted up their hands to God with one accord and rejoiced and said, Lord, Thou art God. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. When that attack comes upon you, whether it's through affliction or persecution, no matter in what area that it is, the first thing that should go through your spirit, if it doesn't come out of your mouth, then I'll say this. The only way you're going to know whether or not you've got it in your spirit, okay? The good heart, the force of of, uh, patience and joy, is what comes out of your mouth when the affliction comes first. Listen. When that... Calamity came your way. What was the first thing you said? Oh, what are we going to do now? No good. It doesn't work that way. If you, if you made that sort of a statement, then you better get yourself developed more in patience and joy. But if you walked outside uh, from the, your place of work, and when you got outside, you saw that your car was the hood was lifted up, the battery's gone, it was up on blocks, and all four tires were gone. And you walked out there with your buddies and said, glory, hallelujah, I count it all joy. (laughs) Then you know. Hey, listen, he said we're peculiar people, didn't he? You hang around for a while. You hang around, I'll teach you how to get peculiar. I mean that. Count it all joy. No, not like most people say. Most people say, well, you're, yeah, you're supposed to give God thanks in your calamities. Oh, Lord, thank you for this calamity. Thank you for this thorn in my flesh. Forget all that. That's not what he's talking about. The devil would like you to believe that. But what he's saying is this. If you learn to operate the force of joy and patience, you'll be like Paul and Silas when they got into prison. And while they was there in prison and they was all beaten, their backs were open, etc., 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 you wouldn't be like some of the other Christians I know today. You'd be like Paul and Silas. If these two, the fruit of joy and the fruit of patience was developed inside your human spirit, it's got to grow big on the inside of you. And if it does, the first thing you do when someone comes, like I said, beats you or does any kind of affliction against you, or if your car is in that situation, you'll say, I count it all joy because I know the trying of my faith worketh patience. These things are spiritual. They are developed in your human spirit. If you never got afflicted or persecuted, then you would never know how to endure. It's like a weightlifter. He goes down and he begins to lift the weights. Or it's like a track runner. He goes out and he tries to run around the track. Well, when he first got in the spring, well, his practice in the early months of, say, December, or he probably practiced all year long. But when he first got out there after a layoff, he went out there, maybe he couldn't make it around the thing, but twice. But if he kept on going and kept on putting on weights on his shoes and kept on running and running and running and running and running, before long, he'd be able to endure long enough to finish the mile race. Isn't that right? And if he kept on doing it over and over and over and exercising it over and over and over and over, before long, he'd be able to endure how many miles? You get that same person. Don't let him run out there for a long time and let him say, let's go run a 25-mile race. He'll say, wait a minute, I've got to get in practice, I've got to get in shape. So every time you see any affliction, any persecution, we say, well, name a few. I'll name you a few. You ready? Your husband comes home from work, and uh, you had a rough day with the kids. He had a hard day out the office. And there you are. He says, uh, no food on the table? You just stand there and look at them. What kind of a wife are you? No food on the table? Right now, open up to the 39th Psalm. I want to show you something here. Are you ready? I'm not going to pick on any sex either. I repent. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. We're all one in Jesus. Amen. You're going to have to bite your tongue after you read this one. And the lovely lady is just standing there. And he's getting up, and he's just getting up, crawling up one side down the other, and she's just standing there. And this is exactly what she, she's like. I said, this is verse 1. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle, while the wicked is before me. Now, wait a minute. I didn't say... you. <laughs> Oh, glory to God. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace, even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me. While I was missing, the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. Uh oh. You should have stopped right there. You only endured through three verses. The trying of your faith worketh patience. You should have stayed there. And on the inside of you, you should have said, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Oh, I count it all joy, Father, knowing that the trying of my faith worketh patience. The trying of my faith worketh patience. The trying of my faith worketh patience. Glory be. Now, look at That's what he's talking about. So is the kingdom of God as if a man would plant seed into the ground. That's the seed you're planting inside your heart. And go to bed, rise up, go to bed, rise up. He knoweth not how, but the the heart or the ground giveth forth the fruit of itself. Right? First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Okay? You're going to start to develop impatience like this. You're going to be be able to endure for the whole five minutes that he chews you out. But five minutes later, you might get on him. Next time he comes home from work in the same way, you might endure for about a half an hour. And then you might turn around and take it out on your kids. Listen, I know how it works. <laughs> I mean, I know you, you, you're no different than anybody else, are you? Are you human? Spirit, soul, and body? Everybody. Everybody. I told you about a few cases I had just standing in a grocery store. I shared that last night in how I I remember, you know. But, you know, you've got to guess. I don't care how your flesh feels. Your flesh is not the real you. Your body is not the real you. I don't care how many thoughts are flying through your mind. Well, he can't talk to you like that. Why don't you tell him to make the meal if he wants to? If he wants to eat. Forget them thoughts and imagination and cast them down. And start to speak the word of God inside your spirit. Start to think the word of God. Great is he that's in me, he that's in the world. Great is he that's in me, he that's in the world. Well, you say, well, why should I do that? It's just a lot easier just to holler, you know, just to go ahead and holler at them. No, because you're enduring, and while you're enduring, you're exercising like that runner. You can endure a half hour. You might be able to endure a day. you never know when you might have to endure a week for the healing in your body. The trying of your faith worketh patience, and the word patience does not mean to wait. It means stability. It means you walked inside that mill just on fire for God and said, Glory, glory to God, what a wonderful day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I rejoice and I'm glad in it. And you told all your friends that you were working down in the mill with, and they, go, they said, Boy, this guy's really something else. He's really shy. He's always happy. He's always just, just shouting and praising God. And, you know, they're not saved. And they're the three fellows that walked out with you when they saw your car up like that. Same three guys. What do you do now? You, that same fellow, that was the same guy that was inside the mill when you were saying, Glory to God, this is the day. And you said, Now, friend, when something comes against you, you just begin to praise God and thank God. And then as soon as something came against you out there, how did you act when you got into the parking lot? That's what he's looking for. That's what that non-believer is looking for in you, friend. How are you going to react to that situation? You better start counting it all joy. And knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Because if you do, you'll be delivered. And God will go forth, and the angels will go forth to work for you to get your car back in right shape. I mean that with all my heart. Just don't let that slow burn on the inside come on the outside, see? Don't let it come forth. Don't speak it forth with your tongue. So the good heart is one that develops the fruit of the Spirit inside on the inward man. Patience. Joy will take care of them. Let's back all the way up to the beginning. Let's start with the first fruit of the recreated human spirit. I think this is the fruit that covers all the other fruit together. If you'll take all the next fruit, all the other eight, you'll find out that they're offsprings of this one love. They come forth. Love is the ultimate and all these other ones spring forth. They come forth from this one love. And if you'll get love inside your heart, we're going to show you how to do it. And then you'll begin to see that your heart will be the perfect heart for the Word of God to grow in. Uh, back there in Matthew, or Mark, any one of them, the first thing we said was, the heart, the person that received the seed by the way, by the, in the thorns and thistles and that sort of thing, or in stony places, had no root In himself. Isn't that right? Now go to Ephesians 3, and we'll find out that the root or the depth that you need to know about is God's love for you. God's love for you. Ephesians, the third chapter. Paul is speaking to the church here, but he says. Some amazing things I think we need to know. These are not just scriptures you need to quote. These are scriptures you need to meditate, study, and confess them daily for yourself and build that into your inner spirit. And the way you build it into your inner spirit is like we said. The same sower, you, sow the Word into your heart by speaking the Word of God to your heart. As you speak it, you hear it. As you hear it, it goes into your heart. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And then on the inside, your spirit begins to develop and it begins to change your lifestyle from the inside out. How We know it not how. But the Spirit bring forth the fruit of itself. He just said, forget how, you just keep doing it. We don't trust God with our understanding, we trust Him with our what? With our heart. Okay, now, this is number one, and we're going to put this at the top of the list. We're going to start on it, I don't care if we take a month on this one thing. It don't matter to me. Love. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. If your spirit man is going to be a good spirit man to bring forth fruit through the Word of God, you're going to have to be rooted and grounded in love. Let's read the whole thing together. Paul said from verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in Your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of God. Which passeth knowledge, the love of Christ passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with all the what? If your heart is that way, beloved, then your heart is the perfect ground to produce the seed, the fruit, in any area of your, no matter what area of your life it is. No matter what it is. But notice the phrase, being rooted and grounded in what? Okay, if you are, then you'll be able to understand what? Look at what it says in verse 18. The reason why He wants you rooted and grounded in love is so that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ. Okay, may I say this? The reason why, someone said, why are there so many... Christians, even though they're born-again and spirit-filled, that have so many differences of opinion? Hear people talk like that? Why are there so many Christians that, well, I see it this way, brother, and I see it this way? And this one says, I don't see it that way, I see it this way. And the other one says, well, I I disagree with all of you. I believe it this way. Why? Can you imagine a brand-new, born-again, baby Christian coming to a church And you've got one saying, oh, this is it. And and the next one says, no, this is the way. And the one says, no, no, this is it. and And before you know it, that little one is just confused. Where does confusion come from? Sounds like to me them older ones didn't know what they was doing. But I'll tell you what, friends, I learned. I learned to trust in God's Word, not in man and the Holy Spirit. And you better weigh out every word that I say because if you don't, I don't want you trusting in what I say. I want you trusting in what God says. And that's why I don't deviate too much from the Scriptures. Because I let God speak for Himself. Here's the reason why. If you purposed in your heart to know this one fact, God's love for you. Not anybody else. God's love for you. If you would purpose in sincerely from your heart understand what is the deepness of God's love towards you as an individual, you'll have no problem understanding anything else in the Bible. Nothing else in the Bible. I said it when I first came, I'll say it again. You study the Word of God in the light of His love, His characteristics. Love, light, and life. That's who He is. He's saying here, you need to know what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, the endless boundaries of God's mercy and love towards you and the love of Jesus Christ towards you so that you could be rooted and grounded in this love. The Word will not take root in a heart that does not understand the love of God towards Him. I mean towards you as an individual now. This you need to know. When I hear people talk about how they think that God made them sick for a reason, all I just say, Father, they've never met you. Oh, they may be born again, but they don't know you. They don't understand. They've never heard of your love, and it's never entered into their heart the deep things that you have prepared for them because we love you. Now, I want you to, I'm not going to go through these hurriedly, like I said. We're going to take some time to get your heart right. Step by step, one at a time. Let's eliminate all false teaching. Let's get it all out. That's the thorns and the thistles, all that garbage that's in there. If you'll study the light of God's love for you in your own individual life, you'll begin to see everything that God wants to do for you and what God will do for you, and your heart will be ready to receive from God because you know He wants to do it. You'll know that He can't wait to do it for you. You'll be to a point, you'll know that, oh, he's trying to get it to me as hard and as fast as he could, but I just got to get under the flow of the blessing. You'll never once stop and say, is it my Father's will to do this for me? Go back to Deuteronomy the 7th chapter. We're going to see this. We're going to cover this here chapter that we just read. We'll go over it again. We're going to go through it step by step to show you how. I don't just want to point out to you the scriptures, I want to show you how to appropriate this in your life. Are you are you still with me about you've got to allow the word to enter into your ears and eyes. We're not we're not getting off our parable. Uh, now we want to show you how to make your heart right, to make your heart good. As a matter of fact, Jesus in Matthew 13 in the right after that parable gave another parable. Remember the parable he gave about the wheat and the tares? He said, a man went out and sowed good wheat seed into his his ground, and that was the wheat. He sowed wheat, and uh, then someone, an enemy came along and sowed what? Tares into the same ground? And and the servant said, well, what shall we do, Lord? Shall we go out there and pull up the tares and, you know, clean clean them out? He said, no, no. He said, you can't do that. If you do that, you're going to pull up the wheat too. Listen, let them grow side by side. Now, here's what he's saying. As long as you're in this earth, as long as you're in this body, in this earth, you're not going to be away from it. It's going to be right next to you every day of your life. But if you allow the wheat to grow, when it grows up, you see, when they're, they use that, the word tear there because when they're small plants, they look identical. That's why he said that. He says, when, you, when they first start to spring up, he says, you couldn't tell the difference between the, what's the wheat and what's the tare. Same thing with a baby Christian. Did you ever notice that? When a person first gets saved, there's a lot of things that, that, that have to be changed in that person's life. At the first, some will say, well, it looked like they got saved to me. I mean, you know, look, they're doing the same things that they did yesterday. They've been saved for three days now and they didn't get, well, they're not totally sanctified. I mean, dear Lord, and you've only been for 50 years. Not any individual. The church in a whole. True? Listen. Listen to me. When they're little, you can't tell the difference. He said, let them grow together. When they get big, you'll tell the difference. So if you think you're going to escape it, they're going to be growing right by your side. He's going to be sowing the tares right by your side. But when you get big and strong, you tell the difference. Now, you're going to put that seed into your heart by speaking it forth. With the, First of all, you've got to have the right understanding, and you've got to be hearing the right word. And if you're not, friends, and you're, you're just planting that tear, the, wheat, the bad wheat seed, right into your own heart, that's poison. Did you know that? When you hear people preach... How God is making you go through all these tests and trials and all oh, he's doing this and that to you and he took your someone's life away from you just because he needed him up in heaven. What in the world he needs him up there for? He needs him down here. Ain't nobody to get saved up there. He needs somebody to get saved down here. That's a bunch of garbage that's, that's affecting your heart. Don't even read that kind of material. And we're going to see it in the light of God's love. Now, let's see here in the seventh chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to begin to plant these things deep within our hearts so that we could fill up our hearts with the love that God has towards us. In other words, faith in God's love for me and you as an individual. Seventh chapter, let's just go to verse 7. Well, no, let's back up. Let's back up to verse 6. For thou art an holy people... Unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. All right. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the fewest of all people. Well, then what in the world did he call them for? Why in the world did He want them? Why did He call these people to, uh, chosen people? Why did He bring them unto Himself? What was His purpose? Verse 8 is. It wasn't, it wasn't because they had uh, money. wasn't because they, you know, loved Him. It wasn't because they did anything. But look at what verse 8 says. But because the Lord loved you. But because the Lord loved you. He looked down from heaven and said, Oh, I love them. And we're not talking about your love and human love. We're talking about the love that set abroad in your heart. He said, I love you is the reason I'm calling you. If He wanted you to go through trials and tribulations and persecutions and afflictions, do you know what? All He had to do is not redeem you. If He wanted you to be sick and ugly in this world, all He had to do was not redeem you. That's all. And you could have been that way. Let's go on and see here. He says, "I called you because I, the Father, the creator of all mankind, I love you. You put that in your spirit. And because He would keep the oath which He has sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now move on down to verse 13. I'm going to go faster this so I can get everything in. Look at this, verse 13. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep in the land which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee. That is God's purpose, is to love you, to bless you, to multiply you, to give you all kind of children, and to give you all things. Look, let's keep going. If that was enough, if that was all, it would be enough. But look at the next verse. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male nor female barren among you, or among your cattle. That means you're going to have kids, ladies. <laughs> That's right. Take it. I'm serious. You know, there's a lot of people. That, there's a lot of Christian women that don't know that God wants them to have children, and and that they can't have children. I'm, I mean that. But look, let's go on. Verse 15. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. And the reason for it is because the Lord your God loves you. Because He loves you, He'll take away sickness from the midst of you. Okay now, brother, you're saying that's Old Testament. Boy, am I glad you said that. Somebody came at me with that and said, Well, that's Old Testament. He promised to take it away from them. In the Old Testament, I said, you're right. But He didn't promise to take it away in the New Testament. I said, you're right. He took it away in the New Testament. Himself took your infirmities. He didn't promise to take it away from me. He took them. Amen? Amen. Well, you think we're, you think He's not talking about us being a chosen people? Well, go to 1 Peter 2. Amen? And why are we chosen? Because the Lord, the Creator of the universe, loves you. He loves you. You're going to see how far-reaching this love is in a minute. You got your shouting clothes on tonight? 1 Peter 2. Let's just take a look. Notice he said they are a holy people, a chosen people, a special people. All right. Well, Peter, you did it again. Verse 9. Is this in the New Testament? Is 1 Peter in the New Testament? Is the New Testament the New Covenant? Are you New Covenant people? Okay. I just want to make sure it's in there. But you are a chosen generation because He loves you. He didn't choose you because you got a lot of money. If that were the case, half of us wouldn't be here. Right? He didn't choose you because you're good looking. I won't go any further on that one. <laughs> Amen. He didn't choose what was the purpose he chose us? Ah, be rooted and grounded that now say it with me, the Father of all creation, the heaven the earth, the earth and, the sea, and the sea and all that them, them is that loves, me. loves me. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, let's go on. A royal priesthood. Hold your finger right there and go to First Peter. I mean, go to Revelation 1. A royal priesthood. Oh, are you ready for this one? Why do you think you're a royal priesthood? Because he loves you and wanted you to be one. I mean, I don't know any king that doesn't want his child to be heir to the throne. Because he loves them, he says, You're the heir, son, like it or not. <laughs> Amen. Well, are you ready for this one? Revelation one five. Hold your place in Peter. He loved you so much, that said, that He bought you back and washed you in His own blood to make you a king and a priest unto Him. Unto His Father. Because He loves you. Alright, you're a royal. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. We're a holy nation. Why? Really, We're a holy nation for the purpose of this. You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I shall be their God, and they shall be my people. Not only we are His servants. Man, let's go there. Hold your finger right there and go to Second First Corinthians. I'm sorry, Second Corinthians, seventh chapter. Verse 1. And he said, Be ye holy for what purpose? For I am holy. And if the I am holy lives inside your spirit, he said, Be ye holy. We're a holy generation. We're a holy people. Let's see this here. Having therefore... These precious, this is verse 1, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these precious, these these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Did you notice that having therefore was there? Did you notice that? If you find a therefore, what are you supposed to do? Find out what it's there for, right? It's there for because of verse 16 of the of the previous chapter, right on through 18. Let's read it. And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them. I will and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from uh, now. You mark these down. Wherefore, come out from among them. One, be ye separate. saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing number three and I will receive you he didn't stop there look at the next verse and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Almighty having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves From all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And if you don't have that reverent fear of God, you'll never perfect holiness. But friends, if you fear the Lord your God reverently, you will become a holy. You'll walk in love if you're the only one on this earth. I have purpose in my heart to walk in love if I'm the only one. You could kick me in the shins. You could beat on my head. You could do anything you want to do to me. I'm going to walk in love towards you. You could talk about me down the street. You could, I'll never talk about you behind your back. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it. Because my father's holy. And I want Him to be a Father to me. That's why some people don't know Him as Father. They don't want to be a son or a daughter. I want to be a son to Him. I want to know the Father heart that He has towards me. He's your Father. He's not just God. He called you. And the whole purpose of redemption was so that you can be his sons and daughters. Okay. Peter, let's go back there. A special people. Pe- people All those that you're seeing are, are found in Deuteronomy 7. Right, right where we read them. Verses 6 through 8. Right where we read those holy, special, chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people, a peculiar people. Really, we use that term peculiar, but it really means a purchased people. We have been purchased. Purchased. You have been bought with a price. The sister said the price that was paid for our redemption is priceless. How many know the scripture that says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints? Well, I don't want to burst your bubble. That word precious does not mean what you think it means. It doesn't mean precious as what a precious thing. That word means priceless. Listen. Priceless. The price that had to be paid for the death of, his, of us from the beginning. That word precious does not mean like we take that word today. It means invaluable. You couldn't put any price on it. In the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. It cost the Father the price of His Son. And you became a holy nation, a peculiar people, a special purchased people, because your Father loved you so much. He was willing to send His Son. Well, I've got to just throw it in right now. If He promised to take sickness and disease away from the midst of them people when Jesus hadn't died yet, you can now understand why he took it away from you people. Because the price was already paid. Now are you ready for the endless boundaries of God's love? For God so loved the world, that divine love was so far reaching that he gave Him, That he gave them. That he gave his only begotten son. The cost for you to be the peculiar purchased people unto our God. He bought us back out of every nation and kindred and tongue and made us kings and praise unto our God was his own blood. And we're going to see that in a minute. We want to talk about his death, burial, and resurrection. If you can understand that he was willing to do that for you. Where Jesus said, greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Both the Father's love and both Jesus's love himself for you. But let's go back here to Peter. For what purpose are we, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, the special people, the holy people? For what purpose are we? Look at what he said here. That you should show forth the praises. Now see, if you don't get... Some say, why do you get so much into definitions? I'm going to tell you why right now. Jesus said, dig deep. Did he not? You know what? That, that word is deceiving right there. How many of you got a little number by your, by that word praises in your... Anybody here? Somebody shout out what, what it says. Okay. Virtues. That's one of them. Now listen. You have been called a holy people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, so that you could show forth the excellencies, the glory, and the virtues. That's what that word means. Don't sound like if you're sick, you're going to show any of that stuff For Look at it again. That you should show forth the excellencies, the virtues, the glory of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Excellencies is what he's talking about. The fruit of the human spirit. The virtues. Add to your faith virtue. The virtue knowledge and all his temperance. The temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, etc. Charity above all. He wants us to show forth the excellencies of the power of the resurrection inside your heart. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He wants you to show it forth in this wicked and perverse generation. The excellencies to show people we can walk in divine health. To show people we can walk above all the garbage that's inside this world. To show people we can live the life that Jesus Christ lived on this earth. He wants us to show forth the excellencies of the fruit of His Spirit. That's what He wants. That's what He's talking about. Because He loves you. He loves you. That's how far-reaching His love is for you. And that's how far-reaching His love is for me. Now, what He did was He took Jesus in order to recreate our human spirit and He sent Him. He sent Jesus. You know the price He paid, but some people just don't understand it. That whole parable there is talking about not fruit. And I said this last time. I'll repeat it again. The whole parable... And if you're having a hard time following me, listen. Get the tapes, okay? The Lord showed me this. You're going to have to get the tapes. The way I teach, I teach, okay, like the train. You keep on adding on another boxcar here and there. You've got to go back and grab and just keep... Because I'll tell you what, because that's the only way we're going to learn, friends. That's the only way we're going to learn. We've got to keep on going over and over. I'll tell you what, I've never seen all what I've seen in here to teach all this. When I first started, I thought maybe about three lessons. This is 10 already, I, I, I think. I'm pretty sure it's about the 10th lesson on this. Because the Spirit of God wants us to know everything there is to know. Because this is the most important thing for us to know is how this thing works in our spirits. It is. You've got to get it. That whole parable is not talking just about making the Word produce a certain result. It is, and we can use it that way. But the whole purpose, the whole result of this is so that you and I could grow up into someone called Jesus Christ. And when you get to the place that you produce the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance and faith, humility and love, all inside your heart, you have grown to maturity. You are a fully grown, developed character. And it's time for him to come and say, come on home. And just cut you right off down and said, come on home. E.W. Kenyon got that way. He got before God and said, Oh, praise God, Jesus told me I'm going home today. The harvest time was ready for him. He did his job in the earth. He was ripened with the fruit of the Spirit of God inside his heart. And the Lord looked down from heaven and said, E.W., 10 o'clock today. (laughs) Harvest time. Whoo, glory. He's already told Brother Hagin. He said, Brother Hagin, soon as your ministry's done, and he told him when it was, he said, if you want, come on home. Yeah. said, come on home. But if you want, I'll give you ten more years if you desire. Just want to, you know, have a little good time here for a while, ten more years, then you come on home. <laughs> Developing a fully grown, mature Christian, and it's time for you to get floated off in the glory. Oh because they showed forth the excellency of the power of God. And that man, E.W. Kennedy, didn't have any sickness and disease in his body. I'll tell you right now. And there are a lot of people you don't know of that died that way. And I know a lot of people that know that and believe that, but they, they didn't bring it forth because nobody but accepted what they were teaching. But praise God, we open up a whole new thing in the realm of faith in the Spirit. The Spirit of God has done it. He's opened up a life. So power-packed with God's love towards you. He has unveiled the, all the love that the Father has towards you in such a way, you would have to be, it would be ridiculous to say that your Father would not do something for you in your life. You'll get to the point, friend, when somebody says uh, it might be God's will for you to be sick, you'll say, "You don't. who are you talking about? You've got the same Father I've got? You don't even know Him. Because the will of the Father God is, would you, for, let me put it this way, would your Father want you sick? Anybody here's Father wants you sick? Okay, go to Matthew, Matthew 7. I've taught this. Uh, this just keeps coming up and coming up, but that's okay. Let it keep coming up. It'll get into our hearts. We're talking about God's endless love towards you. And if you'll grab a hold of this, it'll change your way of reading the Word of God. It'll change your beliefs. I'll tell you right now. When you find out how much God the Father loves you down deep on the inside of you... Oh, dear God, it'll change everything you believe. Study the Word of God in the light of God's love. Because God is love. In Matthew 7, 7, he said, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Him ask and receive with him, and seek it, find him, and knock and it shall be open unto him. For what man is there among you, if his son should ask bread, would he give him a stone? Or if he would ask a fish, would he give him what? What father is there among you? If your son asks bread, would you give him a stone? Or if your son asks fish, would you give him a serpent or an evil spirit or scorpion? What father? Next verse. If you then being evil I don't know if did I give you the definition of that here? If you then being evil Circle that word. I didn't think I taught this here. Circle that word. That word evil is talking about immoral, unregenerate, wicked in your mind, immoral standards. Immoral. If you, man in his fallen state is this way, okay? That's what he's talking about, your natural human state. If any father in this way, he would have no moral values if it was not for The written law and God revealing himself to man. Man was so wicked, God wanted to destroy him in the beginning, off the face of the earth. His heart was so wicked and just told terrible things about God. Listen, if you, being that way, he's talking about right there, can give good gifts to your children, even though you're that immoral in your own moral values, impure, depraved, whatever you want to call it, you'll still give a good good gift to your child. Is that true? Anybody here wouldn't? Especially if your child was hungry and wanted bread or a fish. That's talking about anything, friends. The supply. He's, I like, I'm glad he said the supply to the mortal body. I really am. Uh, because that's not spiritual, is it? He's talking about bread even for your physical life. Fish for your physical life. Okay. Next three words. How much more? How much more? More. Much more than what? How much more than an unregenerate, immoral, wicked, natural, evil human being would give bread and fish to their son or daughter if they asked, How much more will your heavenly Father? Your Father in heaven give you good things. If you ask, you shall receive. If you ask Him to heal your body of that cancer and He says no, then you're saying that the Father God is less of a father than the evil one. Do I need to run that by you again? Now, next time anybody ever says in your presence that God, your Father, made you sick... For a purpose, you just remind them that they're saying your father is worse than an evil, unregenerate, immoral, wicked man. Worse. Not even on the same basis. Not even on the same level, rather. But worse. Lower. Lower. You'll never read where Jesus said, ask and you might receive. Ask and you shall receive. God loves you that much, friends. If I ask my Father to heal my body and I don't get healed, I don't say it wasn't God's will. You know what I say? Father, your love for me is so far-reaching that I had to miss it somewhere. Reveal to me where I missed it so I may be healed. Because you want to heal me so bad. I know, you're just, I know that. See, I know that already. And if I ever miss it, I just got to get on my knees and say, Dear Father, your love and mercy is so great towards me. I know you love me so much, dear Father God, that you just your healing power is right at my fingertips. Reveal to me where I missed it, Father. And he'll do it. But that's humbling yourself. That's how much he loves you. That's wicked and immoral thoughts of your own mind that you need to be delivered from over there in James one twenty one. I explained that to you. Those are immoral thoughts and lust of your mind. And you need to be delivered from that stuff if you're talking that way. There's not calamity, there's no trouble, there's no wickedness that, that's coming your way from God. All right, He loves you. Now, He said over here that He loved you so much that He gave Jesus, right? John 3 16. Jesus said, Now listen, that's the love of the Father. Jesus said in John 15 13, Greater love has no man than this that a man would end out his life for his friends. Jesus said, I'm giving you even my love. The Father gave us His love. Jesus is, is given all the love that He has towards you when He died. No greater love does a man have than this. Okay. Now, Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not His only Son, and I'll say this, He that spared not His life, that's the Father. He that, that spared not His Son, that's the Father. He that, remember Jesus says, I have the power to lay down my life. And to take it up again? This was given to me and the Father? Okay. The Father was willing. He loved you so much that He gave His Son. Jesus was willing when He came. Willing to do what? Willing to die. And I don't got time to explain this. Willing to die. Willing to go to hell. Suffer the torments of hell. And then be raised out of that death. For you. He was willing to do that for you. To purchase you back to the Father. That's how much He loves you. Romans 8.32 goes on to finish it this way. He that spared not his only Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not, with him, freely give you all things? Okay. Now go back to First Corinthians, the second chapter. We're not even getting started. Hallelujah! I want you to see the God, the Father's love for you, because friends, when you see this, you're going to be shouting. First 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter, I'll just give you a verse here. Let's go read these verse 2. Two verses. See, you don't know this, but we're doing right now the principles of, of the parable of the sower. Are you hearing? You're hearing the truth. Are you seeing? Well, look at verse 9 now. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither is entered into the heart of man. Well, now you could say this. You are seeing and hearing, and it's entering into your heart, the thing which God prepared for them that love Him. Because verse 10 says, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely How shall he not with him freely give us all things? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Healing is freely given to you of God. Freely. Nothing you have to do for it is free. It's free because he loves you. And that's why. That's his purpose for it. Every good gift, every perfect gift, perfect motive, perfect everything. is for you because he loves you. He's given you. Now that he paid the ultimate price for everything, which was very priceless, everything else you get from God, friends, is free. God doesn't have to pay for it with His Son anymore. He's already paid the price. Now, do you get an attitude that God is a Father to you? Are you beginning to see something that God wants you to have everything you want? I mean everything you want. God wants you to have it. May I say this, though, to put a little balance in there? Want God. Don't want the things of this earth. You can get them that way, friends. I don't teach it that way. I teach it this way. If your heart is so hungry to, and desirous to want the things of God, yea, the deep things of God, everything else will be added unto you. You be like Solomon. You want wisdom and knowledge, understanding of God. And I'll tell you what, All the th- He'll make you the richest man on the earth. He did it for Solomon. He'll do it for you. The wealth and the riches come with it. It's free. Freely given unto us. You seek the wealth that's in God's love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, etc. You seek the wealth that's in there and you diligently seek the things of the Spirit of God inside your spirit and you'll begin to see a tire change in your life and God will meet everything and all the things will be freely given to you by your Heavenly Father. I mean that. You let that sink into your heart that God the Father is your Father. And all you've got to do is ask and it shall be given unto you. That's another whole teaching. I'm not going to take time to get into it. Let's go to John 14. How many of you know that it's the Father's pleasure to give unto you the kingdom? Don't bypass the word Father, okay? Don't bypass. Please, don't don't read over that lightly. I'm not talking about God now. I said it's your Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Your Father's. That should change your whole outlook on the Father God. Number one, He's your Father. Number two, He's paid the price for the kingdom and everything in it. Number three, it's His good pleasure. Someone said, might not be God's will. It's His good pleasure to give you all that's in that kingdom. It is His good pleasure. He delights in it. Look at John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me... And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. He loved you enough to give his life, and the Father loved you enough to send his Son. Now he's saying, if you'll just love him and keep his commandments... He'll love you as a son. And Jesus says, I will love you and manifest myself to you. Go on down here. Verse 23, where Jesus starts. If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make all bold with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. The word which is... Which you hear is not mine, but the Father's was sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Now go to the 16th chapter. Verse 27. You ready? Let's read it together. For... The Father himself loveth you. Stop right there. Say it again. For the Father Himself loveth. Now reverse it. The Father Himself loveth me. For the Father Himself loveth me. Well that leaves us a little bit dark there. Let's go back up. You ready? Verse twenty three. And that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you whatsoever, you shall ask the Father in my name. He will give it you. Up until now, hitherto, have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs. But I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father... For the Father Himself loveth you. Jesus was saying this. Right now I will pray the Father and anything you want will be done through me, for you, while I'm here on this earth. But there's coming a day, and that day is when you're born again. There's coming a day when you don't have to look to me. You don't have to look for me here walking by your side to ask the Father. You lift up your voice. You ask your Father in my name, and He'll give it you just as if I was asking. A son of God, he's your father. Ask anything in my name, he'll give it to you. He's showing you the same relationship he has with the Father. That's what he's saying. You are as he is. Let's back up. Let's go to John, I'm sorry, ahead, John 17. Where does the time go? Let's go to verse 21 and let's just soak this into our spirits. Let's soak it deep into our hearts. That they all may be one as Thou, Father, art in me and I in Thee. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that Thou hast sent me. And the glory which Thou gavest Me, the excellencies, the virtues that You've given to Me, have I given them, that they may be one, even as We are one, I in them, and Thou in Me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that Thou hast sent Me, and hast loved them as Thou loved Me. The Father loves you as he loved Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus did not do without. He said, Father, I thank thee that thou hearest me always, and I know that thou hearest me. 1 John 5 says, This is the confidence you have in him that if you ask anything in his name, in my name, according to his will, he heareth you. And if you know that he hears us, Then we know that we have the petitions. Friends, God's not withholding any good thing from them that love Him. Because He hath set His love on me, therefore will I deliver Him. I'll set Him on high because He hath known my name. He'll call upon me and I'll answer Him. And listen to me. Want to get this out of your spirit right now? His answer is not sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes maybe. But yea and amen are His promises to you by us in Christ Jesus. The Father loveth you. The Father loveth you. The Father God loveth you. Any reason for putting that seed of anything inside your spirit man should be based on this Father I know that your love is so endless for me and so deep for me I know that your love it is your total will that I have what I'm asking for you that's the first thing you've got to know when you're going to ask God to do something for you ask your father to do something for you your heart if your heart doesn't know that friends and you know what The word cannot be rooted and grounded in you. But if you know the endless boundaries of God's love for you, then the word, the seed, has a place to root itself and to implant it. Because we already know that these things don't happen like that. It takes time to produce that fruit, doesn't it? If it's in that heart of love, you're going to know the endless boundaries of God's love towards you. And then he says you'll be able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. Above all, you ask or think. Ah, I could go all night. I could go all night. Oh, I may do it on this one thing. God loves you. God doesn't want you sick. God is your Father. Your Father loves you. The Father has healing in His wings. The Father has gold, silver, cattle. The Father has all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's all yours. 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 yours. One fellow asked the Lord. He said, Lord, if there's anything, 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 I'm going to ask you to protect me and to keep me from all the wickedness and all the evil and all the things that are in this earth. And the Lord says, I've granted to you your request. Because he loves you. He loves you. Why are you called He loves you. Why are you a king and a priest? A royal priest because he loves you. Why are you in this earth living by the name of Jesus? Because he loves you. 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 Ask and you shall receive. Why? Because he loves you. Seek and you shall find. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. God. God. The Father, the Creator, the Maker of the universe, and all that in the midst loves you. You getting into your spirit? The God of all glory, the soon coming King, the Most High Messiah, the Healer. The Deliverer, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord your righteousness, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that's ever-present, El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough, loveth you. He is your shield and buckler. He is your exceedingly great reward. He is your all in all. He is your strength. He is all-merciful. And compassionate. And He loveth you. That's a heart that's prepared to receive Word, the Word. Rooted and grounded in the endless boundaries of God's love for you. I want you just to just begin to picture. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Jesus stood there at the Holies of Holies. And as he stood there before the Holies of Holies, what right did he have to enter in? I could just see him standing there and saying, Father, I love those people so much that I was willing. To do all that I did, everything that I did, to come here, and because I'm here, I'm telling you right now, I am going to stand by your side to intercede for those people on the earth because I have bought them, I have given birth to them. Those people have now access to come to your throne, Heavenly Father, just like I do. And I'm about to take my own precious blood and to sprinkle it on your mercy seat, on all the heavenly utensils of worship. I stand here in love, the greatest act of love that humanity ever known. I'm standing here, and I stand here in love. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to pour it all out so that them people on this earth... Can be your children. Your sons and daughters. You can have children now, Father. Yes, you were barren. I was your only child sent. You had none. But rejoice. But rejoice, Father. I'm about to give birth to a royal nation. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. I am about to shed my blood across this throne of mercy so you, Father, can have children to pour out your love on right now. And then he walks in, he sprinkles it, and the angels rejoice and the Father heart of God sheds forth the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God comes down to the earth on the day of Pentecost. And God the Father had 120 more children to pour out His love on. And He says, it's all because I love you. But if you set your love on Him, is where it's at. He loves you. He loves you.